scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria and Traconitus and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord for you and for me. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we gather today in this Advent season, we desire to live our lives in your presence. But sometimes our busyness keeps us from hearing your voice. We are getting ready for Christmas, but sometimes we neglect to get ready to receive the Christ of Christmas into our lives. And so now... We come to you laying aside the frenzied whirlwind of activity that is our lives to once again hear your small voice speak to us. We have come here by many paths. The road this week has not always been smooth, but even in the midst of the vagaries of life, we trust that we, along with all of humankind, 
will see God's salvation. And so, Lord, as the hymn, as the carol says, cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed 
The victory is won. He is risen from the dead, and I will rise when He calls my name. No more sorrow, no more pain. I will rise on eagles' wings before my God. Fall on my knees and rise. I will rise. There's a day that's drawing near when the darkness breaks to light. And the shadows disappear, and my faith shall be my eyes. Jesus has overcome, and the grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He is risen from the dead, and I will rise when He calls my name. No more sorrow, no more pain. I will rise on eagle's wings before my God, fall on my knees. And rise, I will rise. And I hear the voice of angels sing, Worthy is the Lamb. And I hear the cry of Heart. Worthy is the Lamb, and I hear the voice of the angels sing. Worthy is the Lamb, and I hear the cry of every longing.
Thank you, Tim, and that's a great word of hope for all of us. Are you ready for Christmas? I see that some of our children are ready for Christmas. Uh, Are your children ready for Christmas? That's a big question at this time of the year. Uh, You've heard that Santa Claus is coming to town and he knows that uh, he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you shout and pout and things like that. well, this story may put a little little different spin on that song about Santa Claus coming to town and knowing all about us. Uh, it seems that um, that Jane and her older sister had been fighting a lot all year long, and Jane's parents had been warning her that Santa Claus was watching and and that Santa Claus doesn't like it when little girls fight. But this didn't really have much of an impact on her, so her mother picked up the telephone and started dialing and said, I'll just have to tell Santa Claus about your misbehavior. Well, Jane's eyes grew as large as saucers as her mother asked Mrs. Claus, which was really Jane's aunt because Santa Claus's real number was busy at the time. Um, But she asked Mrs. Claus if she could put Santa on the line. Well, Jane's jaw dropped almost to the floor as mom described to Santa Claus, alias Jane's uncle, about the three-year-old and how she was behaving. And then mom put Jane on the phone, and so Santa Claus, in a deepened voice, explained to Jane how there would be no presents on Christmas morning for children who fought with their sisters, and that he would be watching them and expected that things would be better from now on. Well, Jane solemnly nodded her head with each of Santa's remarks and then silently hung up the phone when he was finished. And then after a long moment, Mom asked, What did Santa say to you? And in almost a whisper, Jane sadly, but matter-of-factly stated, Santa said that he won't be bringing any toys for my sister this year. (laughs) Well, isn't it interesting? In Jane's mind, Santa Claus was not talking about her at all or talking to her at all. And you know, I wonder if that doesn't happen in church sometimes. Way to go, preacher. You really told them today, didn't you? You let them have it, didn't you? (laughs) I love an amen corner. (laughs) Well, certainly John the Baptist was not talking to us when he said, You sons and daughters of snakes, who warned you to run away from the wrath that is to come? That's one of his sermons. Here he comes again, John the Baptist. You know, at this time of the year, our lives are, are filled with so much joy and good cheer. And, and this intruder comes bursting into our Christmas festivities. And some people really know how to ruin a good time, don't they? And yet, on this second day of, the second Sunday of Advent, John shows up every year, once again, to dampen our celebration. 
preaching his baptism of repentance and the remission of sins. And if there's ever a stereotypical hellfire and brimstone preacher, it was John the Baptist. But what was it that made him so ornery? Well, maybe it was his diet. Wild locust and honey. That'd do it for me, wouldn't it you? Or maybe it was the fact that he lived out in the wilderness or dressed funny. You know, we tend to think of John the Baptist as being just a little bit nuts. And sure, we, we admire his, his passion and we admire his commitment and his wholehearted devotion to announcing the coming of the Messiah. But living in the wilderness and eating locusts and wild honey, as some of our kids would say, ew, gross. But maybe John wasn't all that nutty after all. We are told that it's hard to believe in this day and time, but locusts were eaten in those days fairly often. And I've never experienced that myself, but I am told that when they are cooked, they taste something like shrimp. I'll leave it at not knowing. (laughs) I'll take their word for it. So maybe he wasn't all that eccentric after all. In fact, Jesus said that there has never been a better man who ever lived than John the Baptist. In Matthew 11, verse 11, he says, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And then Jesus adds in verse 12 that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advanced. So you see, the coming of John marked the beginning of the kingdom of heaven. So maybe we need to listen to John. Maybe we need to take his message seriously. Maybe he was talking to us after all. So what does he have to say? Well, the first thing that John says to us is that preparing for Christmas begins with repentance. Now, you and I don't, don't need to be baptized all over again in order to prepare for, for Christmas, at least not physically. But, you know, there's a sense in which a a proper celebration of this season of the year should begin with a good bath. For you see, according to John, we need to wash away any sin or any negative emotions or any hurtful thoughts or destructive activities that we have in our lives. Christmas ought to be a a wholesome time. It ought to be a family time and a time when our, our hearts are pure And our minds are free from all of that destructive power of guilt and sin. It's a time to let all that go. So that we can be ready when the Son of God appears. You may have read about a civil rights murder that took place in the 1960s. That was finally cleared up just about 10 years ago. On January the 10th, 1966, civil rights activist Vernon Dahmer was murdered by the Ku Klux Klan in Laurel, Mississippi. 
It seems that Dahmer had been encouraging local black residents to register to vote, and this made the KKK angry. And so four members of the local clan were eventually convicted and went to prison for this crime, but no one really thought that justice had been completely done. And for over 30 years, that case sat in the police files until finally someone came forward. In 1994, police officers received a call from a man named Bob Stringer. He was a middle-aged man who used to work as an errand boy for the Klan, and Stringer had eyewitness evidence that the Klan's leader, Sam Bowers, had ordered the hit on Vernon Dahmer, along with a string of other murders and various crimes. And for years, Stringer had lived with the guilt of knowing that truth and keeping it silent. Well, a gambling addiction had led Stringer into a 12-step recovery program, and one of the steps in a 12-step program is to make amends with those you have hurt. And so Bob Stringer wanted to make amends with the Dahmer family. And so on August the 21st, 1998, 1998, primarily due to Bob Stringer's testimony, Sam Bowers was convicted of Vernon Dahmer's murder and sent to prison. And now Dahmer's family finally feels that justice has been done. But I want you to put yourself for just a moment in Bob Stringer's shoes. Surely it must have been like taking a bath for Bob Stringer to come forward like that. I can visualize him washing away all of those years of guilt and silence. Perhaps it was like being baptized and, and having all of that guilt washed away. All those years of feeling dirty inside. All those years knowing that what he had done was wrong. You know, it's a terrible thing to have something rotten lying around in your heart all of those years. It's not good for your soul. I read recently that the Transport Authority in Paris, France, uses tons of perfume every month to cover up the terrible stench in the city's subway system. According to the report, they used a scent called Madeline, which they described as a smell that is sweet rather than violent, that lingers for about two weeks and suggests a feeling of cleanliness and well-being rather than of filthiness being covered up. Well, I guess it's good that they're doing something. But, you know, I think I would want to ask the transport authority if it wouldn't be better to find the source of what's making their terrible stench and clean it up once and for all, rather than spending all that money every month disguising it with perfume. And there are some odors that no amount of perfume can hide. And I just wonder if John the Baptist may be trying to tell us something. Maybe that some of us are using the good cheer of Christmas as a kind of perfume to cover up the stench that really exists in our lives. Maybe we're doing something wrong and we know it. And we also know that no good can come from it. But folks, let me tell you something. The person we hurt the most when our hearts are filled with anger and bitterness and deceit and hurtfulness 
is ourselves. So you see, preparing for the coming of Christ begins with repentance. And that's why it's important to listen to John the Baptist today. For he came proclaiming repentance and remission of sins. But secondly, it is based on remembrance. Luke connects the preaching of John the Baptist with the prophecy of Isaiah. He quoted Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. My friends, Advent is a time for preparing for the coming of Christ through repentance and by remembering the promises of God. You know, Christmas doesn't just happen in a vacuum. The Christ event was a part of a a long evolution in the work of God. And from the very beginning of creation, God has been working to bring salvation to humanity. Through the people of Israel, God first sent God's light into the world, a world that's filled with darkness. And then to fulfill all that had been taught in the Hebrew scriptures, God sent God's son. And so the celebration of Christmas that we are in the midst of right now is a celebration not only of a little babe born in a manger, But it's a celebration of the entire Christ event. Jesus taught. He healed. He suffered. He died on the cross. He rose on the third day from the dead. And He sits at the right hand of the Father. And through the power of God's Holy Spirit, He lives in our hearts even today as we speak. And that's why we celebrate Christmas every year. You know, most of the people who celebrate Christmas in our our society really have no idea of the full context of this celebration. Folks, this is not simply a this is not simply a time of, uh, of, of giving and receiving presents. It's a time of remembrance of all of the activity of of trying, uh, trying to bring God's love and God's salvation into this world of darkness. That's what Christmas is all about. Long time ago, when Eugene Patterson turned eight years old, he suffered through a very peculiar Christmas. One of Eugene's favorite things to do at Christmas time was to to have that tradition of finding and decorating the perfect Christmas tree. Well, one year, Eugene's mother happened to read Jeremiah 10 verses 2 through 4, which seems to condemn the decorating and worship of trees. He says, my mother cared far more for scripture than she did about culture. And so poor Eugene's heart broke when his mother declared that they would not have a Christmas tree that year. Well, a decision like that wasn't without consequences. He and his family were kidded and questioned about their choice. And 
And every year, the, the extended Peterson family would gather together at their house and have this huge Norwegian Christmas festival. But that year, one of his uncles, who fancied himself to be an atheist, said, how, how are we going to celebrate a Norwegian Christmas without a tree? And Eugene's mother answered, Brother, we are not celebrating our Norwegian Christmas this year. We are celebrating a Christian Christmas. Well, unfortunately, many people in our society will not be celebrating a Christian Christmas this year. Instead, most of the people in our culture will be celebrating an American Christmas. A season of shameless overindulgence in the name of the one who didn't even have a place to lay his head. Only a few people will really celebrate A Christian Christmas this year and this minority of people will somehow find it within themselves to look beyond all of the rich food and the extravagant presents to the real Christmas story. The story of God working to redeem the world. So you see, Advent, it's a time for repentance. It's a time for remembering the promises of God. And in these, in doing these things, we are preparing ourselves for the coming of the Christ child. But finally, Advent culminates in the renewal of our lives. Advent is a time when Christ is born all over again in a Christian's heart. You remember what Jesus said? He said in Matthew that the kingdom of God began with John the Baptist. And and John was announcing the coming of a new reality into the world. And so Advent is a time for recognizing and affirming and adopting the kingdom life as our own. It is a time for committing ourselves to follow the path that Christ has set for us. Some of you probably remember a beloved Swedish Christian named Dag Hammarskjöld. Hammarskjöld is the much was the much respected secretary of secretary general of the United Nations before he died in a plane crash in 1962. At the time of his death, he was trying to negotiate a peace settlement between the United Nations forces and some forces in Africa. But after the crash, experts were sent to to try to find out what happened, why the plane had crashed. And their investigation revealed that the engines were perfectly fine. They were running well on the on impact. The weather was uh, was uh, reasonably fair and all of the other functions of the plane were in working order. There was no evidence that the pilot had suffered a heart attack or anything like that. And so what was it? Well, what happened was this. Apparently, pilots can secure approach plates for any major airport in the world. And these approach plates are kind of like patterns or or templates which give you the heading and the altitude and the distance from, from some outer marker into the runway. And so all the pilot had to do was to look at the approach plate for the airport in question And he would know exactly what he needed to do in order to land that plane safely. 
But the final conclusion of the investigators was that this overworked pilot had used the wrong approach plate. Instead of using the approach plate for Indola, Zambia, which was the airport that they were going into, he was using the approach plate for Indola in the Congo. And so there was an altitude difference of about 3,000 feet, which meant that that plane literally flew into the ground, short of the runway. That's a parable for many people's lives today. Because, folks, there's a lot of people in this world who are running the plane of their lives into the ground because they're using the wrong template, the wrong approach plate. They have adopted the wrong pattern and are emulating the wrong model for their lives. They are following the model of the world. And I want you to know something today, my friends. The only template for our lives that will bring us true fulfillment is that which Jesus Christ offers us today. And I'm talking about the kingdom life. The pattern that Jesus Christ has given for us to live. And so John the Baptist invites us every year at this time of the year to repent He invites us to remember the promises of God and and to renew our lives by allowing the kingdom of God into our lives and to allow Christ to be born uh, anew within us. So you see, the preaching of John the Baptist is for us, isn't it? And it is in our behalf that he quotes the words of Isaiah, make ready the way of the Lord. His paths make straight. John came to prepare the way of the Lord. And the question I have for you today is this. Are you ready for his coming? Are you prepared for Christmas? Amen. I'm glad that many of us are ready for Christmas. That makes me happy. And it makes God happy too. Especially if we are prepared in ways beyond just having our shopping done and our decorating done and our baking done. I'm barely starting that myself. (laughs) But the true preparation for Christmas is something that happens here. All that other stuff, that sideline, it's periphery. And oftentimes we make it more important than what's really important. But we need to refocus our, th- our thoughts and our minds and especially our hearts. And so when I ask you that question, are you ready for Christmas? It's, it, it's something that's very deep. And I hope you are ready by committing yourself to that kingdom life. But if you're not, I hope you'll get ready today. We're going to sing a hymn of response. Come thou long expected Jesus. And there may be someone here today who needs to make that commitment to Jesus Christ in order to get ready for his coming.
to get that life straight with God and to follow the right template that God has given to you. We invite you to make that commitment to Christ today if you've never done that. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of and to unite with a family of faith. We invite you to come and unite with our family of faith as we seek to be the kingdom, a little corner of the kingdom of God and to live out the kingdom principles that Jesus taught. Or maybe you just need to come and have a word of prayer. We invite you to come as we sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, would you come? Here in this place, we have seen the presence of Christ. We have experienced his presence with us. And as we leave this place of worship, we once again meet ourselves and each other and the world around us. Help us to see Christ in each of our brothers and sisters. And as we encounter a needy world, may we do our part to make the rough places smooth so that those around us will see the saving work of God. Amen.